Good morning. Welcome to the second episode of the ABI Leadership Podcast Series. I'm Shelton Jeffries, and I serve as Chief of Staff for Autism Behavioral Institute. One of our dynamic leaders, Victoria Pukowski, is joining us today. Hi, Shelton. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited for this experience. Good morning, Victoria. Thank you so much for making time to join us. Please tell us about your background and your current role with ABI. So I started in the field of ABA in 2013. I was just a behavior technician. Throughout my time in ABA, I was a lead technician. I was at one point in time in charge of a training department. I ran a clinic at one point in time. And then also in the state of Michigan, we're allowed to practice as soon as we graduate with our master's degree before we receive our certification. So I've been working as either a behavior consultant or a BCBA since August of 2019. Once I passed my BCBA exam in 2019, I just continued my work that I previously did when I graduated. I started with ABI in January of 2021. I was promoted to one of the lead BCBAs in August of 2021. I still currently hold the caseload, but I also provide a lot of clinical support to all the BCBAs that are within my team. So my goal is to make sure that they have as much support as they possibly can. If they have any clinical questions, I'm their go-to person. And then I also currently run the company's practicum program. Excellent. So you have an expansive background. Talk to us about what it is that serving our clients keeps you motivated on a daily basis. So part of working in ABA that keeps you motivated is definitely seeing the progress that all of my clients make on a daily basis, a weekly, a monthly, a yearly basis. One thing that keeps me extremely motivated to continue serving clients as well as to continue moving into a leadership role is to ensure the implementation of trauma-informed interventions. This is also commonly known as ascent-based care. So my goal is to really strive to create impactful relationships with all of my families to ensure those skills are being generalized outside of our sessions. Because honestly, if our child is doing amazing things with us during session, but not doing anything outside of session, then we truly aren't doing our jobs. We really want to teach ourselves out of a job in terms of with our clients and our families. So my goal has always been to practice in a way that helps change the narrative that ABA can be seen as traumatic and that we are attempting to train autistic kids to fit into society rather than help society understand the autistic community. So those are really the main points that kind of keep me motivated to keep going, to keep teaching those that are coming into the field and to continue teaching those that might be in the field and aren't as informed in these types of interventions. Thank you for sharing that. Victoria, you've been identified as a rising star within the organization. Your passion, especially about ascent-based training, may be of interest to our audience. So please tell us a little bit more about your work in that area. Yeah, absolutely. So I do think that it's super important to first kind of start by explaining what ascent is. So simply put, it is consent. Sometimes people hear the word ascent and they think it's a much more complex concept than what it actually is. So the idea is, is that it's someone who legally cannot provide us consent. So this could be anyone under the age of 18, anyone over the age of 18 that requires a legal guardian for any reason. Most often we see this with any type of developmental disabilities where they are not legally allowed to make decisions. So the idea is, is that we are ensuring that all of our 
clients, kids, anyone that we work with is able to provide that assent to us for any interventions that we are working on. And then also with that as well is a lot of times people think that assent is associated with the ability to vocally provide to that person who is implementing an intervention, but this isn't always the case. So ways that we can kind of determine assent can be verbal or displayed through body language. I feel like it's important to describe what a withdrawal assent also looks like. So this can often look like problem behaviors, turning away in attention, complaints or grunts, verbally saying no, pushing materials away. So it could look like a whole lot of different ways. It could be as simple as that no, or I don't want to, or as simple as turning their head away when you're providing them some sort of instruction. It sounds as though your passion about assent-based training is because it's such an empowering feature to our clients. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And it's important too to kind of provide, I feel like our listeners, a little bit more information regarding what the three major components of ascent-based learning would look like. Please so do. what that looks like is you're going to have your functional communication training. Oftentimes, a lot of problem behaviors, a lot of inattention comes along with the idea that our kiddos don't have the ability to functionally communicate what their wants and needs are. So oftentimes, we see that turning away those tantrums, the self-injurious behaviors or physical Aggression often happen because our kiddos aren't able to functionally tell us what they need, what they want, what they're feeling. So that is a really large component. Another component, which can sometimes be a little controversial, is that reinforcement of escaped maintained behaviors. So what that means is that when your child does start to be engaged in problem behaviors, a lot of the times you're going to kind of move away from the target or the instruction that you presented to them. And oftentimes, this is where a lot of practitioners or BCBAs or even RBTs have a hard time and struggle with because we've been so taught so much to any time that a child engage in these escape maintained behaviors is to follow through, follow through and make sure they complete that task that has been provided to them. Right. Well, thank you for offering that clarification. I'm sure it's very informing to our audience. We've had discussions offline about some of the challenges related to the history of ABA. ABA therapies had a challenged reputation in the past. Please share with us some of the advances that you feel greatly enhance how ABA is being perceived in the field currently. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of like you mentioned, as of recently, there's been a huge anti-ABA movement that has kind of come to fruition. And a lot of that is about how in the past ABA has been seen as traumatic. And so as of recently, we have been as practitioners, the BACB has really been focusing on trying to ensure that ABA is no longer seen as traumatic. ABA is going to move past the history of what we are, you know, what our his, what our past history was. So what is really important is that many practitioners are currently teaching, they're creating protocols to help teach other practitioners about ascent-based learning. We're doing this podcast to help teach our company or anyone else who may come across this podcast about ascent-based learning, about trauma-free interventions or trauma-informed interventions. The BACB currently create, changed their ethical code that went into effect on January 1st of this year. And that includes assent in the ethical code as well, which is such a huge advancement. 
So it allows us as practitioners to take a step back. And even though we might be reinforcing escape maintained behaviors, remembering that our goal is to reinforce that lower level. So we are going to allow them to escape something because they're removing their ascent. They're telling us that they don't want to engage in whatever intervention we're providing to them and know that in the future, our goal is to teach them to advocate for themselves with whatever mode of communication they use. And that could be with them saying, I need help. I need a break. I don't want to do this or any of those type phrases. Another thing that's really important to keep in mind is that implementation of a risk-benefit analysis. There's a ton of different types of analyses that are out there for risk-benefit to determine if the benefits of treatment outweigh those risks. This doesn't always necessarily have to include your risks specifically to the client. It could be include the risks to a practitioner, the risks to the RBT, the risks to a family member as well. So those are things that I feel like we're taking our step in the right direction to ensure that we as practitioners are doing everything that we can to not cause any type of trauma to a client that we have and to ensure that we are allowing our clients to be involved in making decisions based on what their interventions are that are being implemented, even if they can't verbally say it or even if they can't legally state what they want. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really excited about the advances in the field. On this podcast, we really like to give insight into the personalities of our guests as well. Please share a little known secret or a personal interest that you have. Yeah, absolutely. So I have two main hobbies. My first one is reading and the second one is hiking. Hiking is a little bit harder to do in Michigan because we have a very, very flat landscape here. But with that hobby, my husband and I have done a lot of hiking throughout the country and we were able to accomplish something that was huge on our bucket list. So on July 19th last year, we hit the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro, which was a huge accomplishment for us. That is very impressive. Thank you for sharing that. I'd be more than happy to join you in reading a good book. Not so much in the mountain climbing. I think I'd hinder you and your husband's progress tremendously. Talk to us about what's been your proudest moment as a professional. Absolutely. So I feel like a little bit of a harder question to answer. I do believe that proudest moment, especially when you've been working in the field for quite some time, you have little wins every day, every week, every month. And it's sometimes hard to capture what that proudest moment would be overall. So I have two, one of which is my proudest moment working specifically with ABI, specifically as more of a, a leader rather than as a practitioner. And the one would be the implementation and the creation of the practicum program here. So I created the practicum program that we are currently implementing It went into effect earlier this year. So, and it really focused on training students to be trauma-informed practitioners, but also my main goal for a BCBA candidate is for them to feel comfortable once they have finished their degree and passed their exam to take over that role because sometimes it can be extremely overwhelming. And a lot of the times you kind of get thrown into the deep end and you need to know all these things that you're supposed to learn in practicum. And so my goal is that when they're thrown into the deep end, they float and they know exactly how to do their job and that they have everything that they need to know in order to pass their exam the first time. So that's my proudest moment as being a leader. In terms of being a practitioner, so this is more of one of those little wins that I had one day while I was doing supervision. It was a really great 
moments for my RBT that was providing services. I work a lot with older kids. I kind of find working with those older kiddos to be a huge niche of mine. So I often get handed a lot of those older kids. So when I work with older kids, I try really hard to teach them the nuances of different types of societal norms, not necessarily ways that they need to fit in because that's definitely not my goal. My goal is not to change who they are, but mainly for them to understand things like idioms and sarcasm, to know when someone's communicating with them, they know exactly what that communication means and what that looks like. So I was implementing a target, an idiom, and the target was a blessing in disguise. And this kiddo was having a really hard time understanding what that meant. And I gave him an example and I asked him, buddy, do you know, or did you like doing school virtually or did you like, do you prefer to be in person? And he kind of told us that he really liked being virtual. It gave him time to kind of hang out at home. It gave him time to hang out with his family a little bit more. And so I said, so then you would say, that COVID was a blessing in disguise because COVID is a really bad thing that happened, but it was a blessing because it gave you the opportunity to spend more time with your family Mm. and be at home. And it almost was like light bulb went off for him because he got big eyes and he kind of looked at his RBT, looked at me through the screen and said, Oh, so it's like that one time that I put eye drops in my eye and I accidentally put too many eye drops in my eyes. My eye burned really bad. But then afterwards, my eye didn't itch anymore. It felt a lot better. So like the extra eye drops and the burn of the eye drops was a blessing in disguise because it made me feel better. And it was a huge moment for him because he was really able to understand some of these idioms that we use in everyday language that he was not necessarily exposed to before. And he's a teenager. So he's getting older. These types of sayings are going to be presented to him in different areas of his life. So that was one of my, it's hard to say a full-blown proudest moment, but that was, I think, one of my most recent wins that I thought was really cool to kind of see him really have that light bulb turn on for him. That is cool. Thank you for sharing your commitment to supporting future leaders through your development, the practicum for future BCBAs, but also thank you for sharing that personal success with a client. Mm -hmm. Getting near my next question, what are your hopes for the field of ABA as we move forward in the next three or five years? So my real hope for ABA is that we are able to rise above our past, move toward the implementation of trauma-free interventions that allows us to respect for autistics as individuals with the right to choose to participate or not in treatment. That I think is super important. Dr. Hanley stated it very, very well that if your intervention is not televisable, then you shouldn't be implementing it. And I really think that that's something that we should be looking at and moving forward and discussing when we are putting in place some sort of implementation. I have a quote from Maya Angelou that I feel like is a really great quote. I actually got it from a CEU that I was a part of about trauma-free interventions. And she had said that do the best you can until you know better. And then once you know better, do better. And I feel like right now the time is for ABA is to do better. We didn't know better back then. We know better now. The information is coming out as to what some of these interventions have done and caused trauma to certain individuals. And our goal is now to do better and to ensure that we are doing the best we can to help these individuals without causing any type of trauma. Great. In closing, I'd love for you to share uh, some of your hopes for this new podcast series that we're doing at ABI. 
Yeah, I think that this podcast series is really great. It gives us a really great opportunity to kind of meet different leaders, different people that are a part of the company. It gives you an opportunity to kind of learn more about certain people's niches, certain people's passions, where you might not have necessarily come in contact with them or might not necessarily have done or heard of without this podcast. So I really enjoyed being a part of it and I really enjoy that we are doing this. So my hope is that we continue so that we're able to kind of teach each other specific niches and passions within the field. I hope this allows everyone to kind of continue to grow, to learn from each other as each episode comes out because I can only imagine what else everyone else has to share as the podcast continues to grow and as we continue to come up with new topics to discuss. Thank you so much, Victoria. Your energy and your passion for service is obvious. I appreciate you for making time to sit with me today. And thank you for the wonderful work that you do on behalf of our families. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and allowing me to kind of teach everyone a little bit about ascent-based and trauma-free interventions. Hopefully some people learned a few things and I really enjoyed being a part of this.